Welcome, Booksmitten listeners, to another episode. This time we have another special guest for you all. Patrick and I had the pleasure of talking to John Agee, author and illustrator of dozens of picture books, such as The Incredible Painting of Felix Clouseau, It's Only Stanley, Life on Mars, and The Wall in the Middle of the Book. He's also published books of palindromes and wordplay, like Go Hang a Salami Lasagna Hog. And his latest (laughs) picture book, My Dad is a Tree, is out now. And it's also a lot of fun. Yeah, with us, you know, trying to write our picture books and those of you who are following along trying to write your picture books, if you ever feel like you don't quite fit in any niche that's out there and the stuff you're bringing is a little quirky and just a little odd and different, I think you're going to get a lot out of this interview with John Agee because he he comes at his writing and his books and his ideas from just a little bit different angle than a lot of us. And uh, it was really cool to hear about that. And I actually, I find myself really gravitating toward the uh, author slash illustrators that we've had on the show, like John, like Juju Morales. Um, And I think there's something about, you know, doing both of those and being able to kind of like tell that narrative simultaneously in visuals and in text really appeals to me. So Yeah. And for me, the part of that that appeals to me is the idea creation Um, that comes when you're bouncing back and forth between uh, text and Mm. and visuals. Um, A lot of these artist illustrators or illustrator writers, um, they get into it sometimes for all of, for, for us, for the most part, it's words um, and ideas that get into, that get us into um, our books. And for them, a lot of times it's just like, what if a drawing looked like this and all of a sudden it's like what if this guy said this and they they kind of churn their way towards an idea in a a really artistic and cool way so without further ado this is our interview with john agee so maybe maybe a place to start is to just um you know, we'd love to hear from you about your your path to becoming a picture book writer, artist. <laughs> well, uh, I went to college in New York City, uh, um, studied art, and did film, did sculpture, painting, and um, but I'd always been writing and did uh, did cartoons, did like sequential stories. So it was 1981 or thereabouts, or maybe 1980, just before I graduated. And I was thinking, how am I going to make a living? And so I started, I, I thought maybe I'd illustrate some other people's stories. So I went to publishers. And in 1980, New York City had so many publishers. It was a really, I was very lucky that it was such a nice time. And, you know, you could just walk in and, and meet an editor, you know. So they were very encouraging. They looked at my pictures and they said, you know, these are great, but they said, you, should, um, you shouldn't wait for a manuscript. Maybe you should just go ahead and write your own story. Mm-hmm. So I did. And uh, I, uh, it, was a, I, it was very naive, as we all are when we're 20 something. And uh, uh, it, was a, it was a little, very few words because I wasn't very, sure of myself so it was mostly my pictures and it, but a story of a little kid who dreams of an old man 
it turns out this old man is Santa Claus, and at the end of it's it's a very uh, circular story. And and, um, and anyway, uh, it, and also the book was very small. It was you know no bigger than this, and um, uh, uh, and I, so I brought it to the publisher in October, thinking that maybe it could come out for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I didn't realize that you know it takes about a year. You know when you, you know, uh, so, so uh, I was rejected a couple of times and then picked up by a, a wonderful publisher, uh, uh, Pantheon, which was wow. sort of part of Division of Random House, and I and I just was lucky to meet this woman, Frances Foster, who was one of the greats um, and uh, just a very thoughtful, nurturing, sensitive, intelligent woman she was she was she's worked with a lot of great um um people uh leo leone and and leonard baskin and among others so yeah so that's how i got my foot in the door and then um so it was kind of just i was able to kind of learn on the job so i think maybe uh my my fourth i didn't and also i mean absolutely no money you know there's, there was it was ne there was never any sense that I was going to make any money, <laughs> and if there was, the publishers told me, "Do not even go there." This is 1982, you know. It's like uh, the publishing world was a very still a kind of it wasn't a place that was booming. It would soon, but not then. So, so I was just trying to kind of get better at the craft and looking at all the greats, you know, Tommy Ungerer. Um, Bill Steig, Maurice Sendak, all, all the uh, Arnold Nobel, and then Europeans too. Just seeing how they um, how they do this thing because the picture book, like so many people think, oh, it's so easy, you know. Um, but it is, it's, it's, it is, it's, it's like what they say. You have to, you know, the words and the pictures have to do this, have this kind of unique way of back and forth. Uh, uh, you know, uh, the, sometimes I think when the pictures are very elaborate, uh, the, the, there's fewer room for uh, text. And, and then when the pictures are maybe simple, if there's just one simple picture, maybe there's room for the text to say a little more. Um, so, um, yeah. And, uh, and I still learn from from to, to you know to this day as I'm because I'm always looking back at dummies that I did for a book and think, wow, why didn't I get it right the first time? <laughs> it's a, so it's a it's a unique, um, and I, I I admire people who don't do the pictures, who just write the books and who do it well because I don't think it's a. Um, because I have the ability of of think of, of writing. And then doing a picture and saying, "Oh, this picture is doing all the work. I, I could, I'll just take away a lot of this text." Whereas if you're just the writer, you kind of have to imagine what the picture would be, and you can't, you know. Whereas I'm drawing it and putting the words right next to it or on it and looking. So, so there's an advantage to being the writer and the illustrator. So, yeah. Anything else? <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean uh, that. That sparks a lot for me because as we're we're going through this process, um, the four of us, I've constantly found myself wanting to um, 
like I, I'm a very visual thinker to begin with. I used to draw all the time as a kid oh, and yeah. it, it like, it felt unnatural to even write the picture book as a script and not immediately, you know, like I opened up a PowerPoint presentation and I was like writing in that so that I could see all the spreads and page flips and everything like that. Right. And so um, we've, we've talked to some other folks who are strictly, you know, picture book writers. And like you say, like really have a talent for it. And I'm really curious about sort of, you know, your process coming at it um, from as someone who does both. Is it like, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, that's a good. Well, a lot of people ask of, of illustrators and writers, they say, you know, that what do you what what is it? Do you, do you start with the pictures? Do you start with the, the words? And um, for me, I think it's mostly it's 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 drawing, it's doodling. It's like, um, you know, well, I, I can't reach it here because the headphones. <laughs> there's a pad of paper um, that and I'll just start drawing. Um, and and words you know follow up lots of talk balloons lots of people mm -hmm. talking and i'll see where things go like this this latest book the one of my dad is a tree this the the one that just came out in mm -hmm. june i guess um it's a, st a story of a little girl and her father they're in this and 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 they um the girl is standing like with her arms out like this and her father says so what are you doing she says I'm pretending to be a tree. And he says, why a tree? Because she says a tree gets to stay outside all day long. It's a beautiful day. And she talks him into becoming a tree with her. So he does that. But that idea, so it's a funny idea because they end up, the whole book is completely static. They never move. Yeah. So if you put two people who are not moving in a story, that's an interesting challenge, but everything moves around them. You know, all these creatures mm -hmm. start climbing up and, and, the, and it rains and it gets dark. And um, so there's a lot of things that happen, but they're this stationary. But that idea just came from, um, uh, uh, I, I don't know if I can grab it, but anyway, I can describe it. It's just on a legal pad, just a picture of two little children and one kid. He is... Wonder, oh yeah, I know. He's he putting his hand up, thinking it's gonna rain. So he's like, "Oh, it's gonna rain." And a woman drops, throws a quarter into his hand, and he says, "Excuse me, miss. I wasn't asking for money. I, I was just wondering whether it was gonna rain." <laughs> so, so the idea of like, what happens if you're just standing out on the street corner with your hand up, just as innocently as that, and then, and then that evolved to like, what else could happen? And then I had an owl land on his other shoulder and then another owl on this shoulder and an owl on his head. And he was kind of miffed by this whole idea. What am I, you know, a, a, a tree. And, uh, and then there's this dialogue with him and this little girl who, and so it's, you know, just a funny dialogue. So, mm -hmm. so there is, you know, and then for, it's like, does, does this, uh, kind of a little, uh, funny, um, uh, sketch, uh, amount to a story or could it you know and um, so that's where a lot of my ideas come from it's that it's like a little sketch of a of a of a of a, of a situation that is amusing and then I've had plenty of these in notebooks filling notebooks but do, but most of them don't don't evolve don't don't have enough heft or substance to you know, to 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 uh, um, to amount to a story. So, 
that's kind of where I, you know, I, and I, 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 the, the process is enjoyable because it's, it's, it's uh, uh, coming up with funny situations. That's, that's fun. But, but it can be frustrating because very often they don't, they don't amount to a 32, 40 page book. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I I I love the the work that the the last page in my dad is a trade uh, does in terms of like sort of making it this like bigger story, right? It's uh, the 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 little girls like ask the dad like, "What are we gonna be tomorrow?" Or something right, right, right. Lines. right, right, right. Um, yeah. Well, they, and... they've they've survived this one day. <laughs> Father's relieved. So yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. And I, and I think of some of the, your other titles like uh, Life on Mars or It's Only Stanley, where sort of the last page also adds this like twist that kind of like, uh, for me, it's just like it adds this like sense of, the, it sort of expands the heart of the uh, the book. Yeah. Yeah. Endings are, ending, I don't know, they're just as important as beginnings. Uh, I think also maybe with picture books, because they are so... You know, you you read them again and again, right? Uh, you 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 spend twenty dollars on this book for a kid, and it sh you should be able to read it like in five minutes, five ten minutes, depending. So that it seems to me that the ending is is you know is really really important. There is there is uh, uh, I'm just trying to think of one of my favorite endings is. Is, uh, this book I did years ago called Milo's Hat Trick. It's a magician, a bad, a, a failed magician, is asked to go get a rabbit for his hat trick. So he goes to the woods to get a rabbit, but and he sticks a he has a stick with a string and a carrot at the end, and then below the carrot is his hat. He's hoping a rabbit will bite the carrot and fall into his hat. Instead of a rabbit, along comes a bear. The bear eats the carrot and asks the magician, what are you doing out here in the woods? And the, he tells him, I'm looking for a rabbit for my hat trick. And the bear says, hat trick? Maybe I could help. And the magician is like, what? And uh, the bear says, watch this. And the bear jumps in the hat. And the magician is amazed. And, um, oh, this is another thing about picture books is, is you can do stuff like that. You can have a bear jump into a hat, but there's got to be it's got to make logical sense because the magician says to the bear, says, how did you do that? And the bear says, simple. You just pretend your bones are made of rubber. It's a secret I learned from a rabbit. <laughs> See, now you can go forward, you know, you, uh, for, if, at least for my books, there always has to be some kind of logical. So at the end of this book, you know, they, they, they become, uh, they have a, they're successful on Broadway or off Broadway. <laughs> And but in the end, the bear has to goes back to the forest. He's tired of jumping in and out of hats, and uh, so um, the magician says, "What am I going to do without you?" And the bear reminds him, "Remember, your your bones are made of that that that." So at the end of the book, somebody new is jumping inside the hat. It's the magician himself, Milo. And on the last page, it says, "It's a secret he learned from a bear." So it's there's this. There's this, uh, so the ending for that book kind of ties together. There's there's a lot of that lovely, um, uh, wonderful arc where you know you have something that you 
established in the beginning that you know that is reflected again in the end so yeah. i love it that it's uh that there's so often a use of absurdism or almost surrealism in so many of your stories. But like you say, then within that, there's a natural logical story that, that finally takes place. The, yeah. I, the I, boy I, with the pet rhinoceros that, yeah. that won't uh, do anything. Um, like it's a rhinoceros. No, you can't have a rhinoceros as a pet. And, and what he ends up doing is so, absurd but it's beautiful in the in the space of that story uh, that's another good example of establishing logic in a picture book which yeah. is a ridiculous picture book <laughs> you can do it in several ways and in the beginning of that book the logic is established by just the kind of matter of fact text which is the the boy talking which is he says when i when i got my rhinoceros that's like the first line so it's like oh he got he, he goes to an exotic pet store uh, and then he calls a rhinoceros expert to ask him, ask her what a rhinoceros does. So there, so there you go. <laughs> so I'm establishing logic by setting up an expert. And she says, well, you know, rhinoceroses do two things. They either pop balloons or poke holes in kites. So there you go. It makes sense, <laughs> right? If an expert said it, right? Yeah. But then the, the, the twist on that, of course, is that is that it, it, it not only pops balloons, but there's a scene later in the book um, where, I, I don't know, Jack, are you familiar with this book? I, ha I haven't read that one. Okay, okay. So the, in near the end, on the, the rhinoceros, it turns out he, 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 he doesn't pop balloons. He doesn't poke holes in kites. Because the kid goes to a park. There are kids with kites. There's a guy selling balloons. The kid's really disappointed in this rhinoceros, <laughs> thinking about returning it. You know, getting his money back. Maybe um, getting a hippopotamus. Yes, right. He thinks about a hippopotamus. <laughs> and, uh, but on his way home, there's a bank robbery in progress. And one of the robbers is getting away in a, in a hot air balloon. And the other is getting away in a, in a hang glider kite. And the kid remembers what the rhinoceros expert. And he points up to the guy in the balloon and he says to his rhinoceros, Pop! And to everybody's surprise, the rhinoceros leaps into the air, you know, like Superman, and pops a balloon. And then the kid says, poke a hole in that kite, and swoops over, pokes a hole. The, the robbers fall down. The police are waiting for them, you know, in it with a holding a big tarp. And then the rhinoceros kind of comes in for a landing. And, you know, just, it, that's not even described. It's, you just see this rhinoceros coming down. <laughs> and the chief of police comes running out and says, Hey kid, is this your rhinoceros? And he says, "Yes." So you got a special one. You can pop balloons and poke holes. <laughs> and in the end, the kid says, "And guess what else he could do? He could fly." <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah. I forgot about that part. <laughs> so great. it's it's it is it's it's setting up. It's 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 introducing, as you say, absurd, illogical stuff that's that's you wonder how that 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 can't happen that's that yeah. that could never happen and yet even kids will say you know you how did you that's not that does that doesn't happen in real life but then they they follow they are into it because they because there's it's it's not just all arbitrary 
there's yeah a, you've created the rules of the world of each book yeah <laughs> which is so hard to do like i think about how hard it is to do in a novel we've got thousands of words in which to just establish the novel and you've got a page or two to to establish that same world and that's the thing that's hard about picture books um i can't imagine doing doing what you guys are doing because i i've i've uh, i'm putting them in i'm limited to like the amount of words i can do for a book i think i don't know how many words in a picture book probably 500 or something like that yeah you know um i had a question about uh actually when we were doing this jack talked a lot when we started doing it jack talked a lot about using the structure of the book itself um to become a part of the story and that's uh you use the the crease that's the wrong word oh yeah yeah. in the middle of the word there's a there's a wall in the middle of the book and it's another static element just like similar to the true tree story although the the characters do move um but uh i was wondering what the inspiration and thought was behind uh Uh, well yeah it came out at an interesting time right when trump was you know uh, (laughs) everybody thought oh you you're writing this in response to his wall building or whatever the nuttiness um but uh you know and as much as i can't stand that you know trump and building walls and all that it was it was really it was more of um just about um um the concept of of a a book um and i'd um i uh thought of like what would happen just you know what would happen if you couldn't get from one side of the book to the other and and originally it was somebody on one side on the left side who wanted to get to the other side and was frustrated and there and and so there was a lot of interesting visual things going on there was no wall it was just it was just the gutter so she would she could see and also she could see through the gutter she could see the stuff on the other side but she couldn't get over there so it was kind of the opposite of what it turned out to be because she wanted to get to the other side and um but there was no story it was it was just a series of illustrations that were kind of fun conceptually but and then it was when the idea came that to that 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 uh, this person would be on the on the left side of the book and be very happy with it and and not want to get to the other side there was suddenly there was there was lots of room for for a, a dramatic um you know because we the viewer can see what this person cannot see um, uh, as opposed to the original idea where the, where the person could see through the, through the gutter. So it, it evolved that way. And, um, um, but, um, it was interesting because I thought when I did it, that there must've been, sometimes you have an idea and you think, oh, this is a fun idea. Somebody must've thought of this before, right, yeah. you know? And, um, so I was kind of surprised that nobody had done it before. There were, there was a, uh, there was a book, a, a very funny book done in Britain, which used the same idea. There was no wall, but it was just the gutter of the book. And it was a clever idea. It was called This Book Ate My Dog. So it's a person walking from the left side of the book with their dog. And and they're walking across the gutter. And then when they get to the other side of the book, 
the dog is missing. The leash is down in the gutter, but there's no dog. Mm. And he can't get his dog out of the gutter of the book. So he asks the reader to turn the book on its side and shake it. So you do that, it's great. And, but all this other stuff falls out. You know, he, there's all this other stuff that's been stuck down there and you have to shake it harder. And then finally the dog comes out. And I think there's a kind of a funny little twist at the end. Oh, because, well, it's one of the things that pops out, the other thing that pops out is, is probably part of the twist. Um, and then somebody showed me a book published in Portugal, which used the same um, technique, which was no wall, but just the fact that in the middle of the book, there were these two uh, sentries, like guards, and they were, and, and all these, and people would walk through the left side of the book and the guards would say, no, you can't go to the other side. And, and so all these grown-ups, it was all grown-ups, it was just about grown-ups and kids. So all the grown-ups keep coming into the book from the left side, and the left side of the book becomes really congested with humanity oh, wow. but these wow. two guards say no you can't go to the other side i don't know why <laughs> and then suddenly <laughs> these two little kids come in you know you see them making their way through the crowd sort of like where's waldo and they hear what the guards are saying and they sneak to the other side and everybody looks at them and sees them on the right side of the book and then they all swarm over him so it's again it's it's not a you know a great story but it's a, it's the same it's it's uh, so apparently other people had played with the idea yeah. so yeah but uh um yeah uh conceptually you know i think it, it happens when you work on a picture book for so many years as i've been doing is that you look at the structure of the book the way you know the page turns what you can, how many ways you can exploit uh, a page turn um there's um uh, it's a unique uh, thing. Well, you because well with, with with novels, you know, a page a page turn in a picture book can be like a chapter in a novel. You know? Right. Um, um, time can pass. Like you know, a whole day, a whole year can pass on on a one page turn in a in a, in a picture book. Most of the time, though, I think with my picture books, I think maybe this is the case with a lot of picture books is they take place in a very short amount of time. You know, they, there's like they take place in a day or an afternoon or over the course of mm. or just in a you know very brief time but yeah it's page turns are powerful yeah. uh he, john hearing you say earlier that uh you know the, these picture books they're read like dozens of times right and, <laughs> and, and sort of like hearing that in the context of your work it's, it sort of strikes me that like they kind of function like a a good joke in that like you know it's like after each retelling it could potentially yeah. even get funnier and it, right. it's sort of there's this anticipation of like you know a, a kid like you know I, I always think about like the the monster at the end of the the book right, and right. the way there's... that like yeah on, on every reread it's sort of like the 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 you know the young reader is like anticipating that moment right um, and, and that's it's true it, it, what you were mentioned in the, the rhinoceros book um, somebody described that book as like a really well-told joke. And I, and I took that as a compliment. I think, yeah, it's a, it's a, there was a book I did many years ago about a painter who paints a picture of a duck that quacks and he wins the grand prize and everybody wants to buy a painting of his, but what they don't realize is that 
not only do his paintings make you know look like lifelike and actually sound lifelike but when they actually come to life but they don't realize that until it's too late but um that book was also uh, I, I remember my editor at the time said john it's you know it's just a really well-told joke and i thought yeah there's something about a good picture book there's nothing wrong with a picture book being like a you know a good joke and and um it, it and that book still still gets laughs you know mm. how many years 1988 the incredible painting of felix clouseau i think it's that's 12 oh yeah, 30 35 years later yeah <laughs> <laughs> i love that title <laughs> the um going back to the wall book it's it's not a joke in in the humor of it in fact like that moment of of the 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 young man boy being yeah. saved is sort of inevitable sure it, it's sort of coming and it's kind of inevitable but when it happens that's like this tension release is like oh he was saved <laughs> but then you have the tag that people will put on a joke and that is there's they're they're rushing off to an adventure together mm, true. at the at the end and it feels like oh yeah. he was saved and there's some satisfaction in that but then there's hope and joy in yeah this pushing forward into an adventure it's so so simple and beautiful i think that, yeah i think when we talk about jokes i think that there's certain books that end with a kind of a bum bum you know and yeah. where wall does wall has a different ending life on mars has that kind of you know you know mic drop you know thing yeah. where the kid opens his box of cupcakes and it's like hmm. um uh, um uh, the the painter one the one about the duck with the the, the painter uh, paints the pictures that come to life that has that has one of those endings where when i get to that page it's actually not like a it's a kids go kids get their mouth drops because they're like whoa it's kind of weird because in the very end of that book instead of the some instead of things coming out of his paintings on the last page on the second to last page you see him going back up this little street that's my dog um <laughs> scratching on on the second to last page include in felix Clouseau, you see him going up this little alleyway that it's the same alleyway that he came down he's, he's a mysterious painter in the very beginning of the book and so on the penultimate page you see him walking up that same street and it says you know he went back to his he went he returned to his studio he went back to his studio and then you turn the page and you realize because again the picture uh is is it's the same that little street he's walking up that street but it's like as if the camera has pulled back and you realize that little street is in the frame of a painting suggesting that in the very beginning of the book he was coming out of a painting but i but i was quite close up so that you didn't see that until the very end again it's sort of another kind of visual trick that as an illustrator you can play with also as you know as novelist charlotte hush oh, she, she's just not getting attention so she, hush it's it's it's, it's you know uh, you know holding you know, like a, 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 a 
giving away information a little little by little you know and you, you know you know what i mean yeah. so same thing with picture books it's sort of um you know you have um your you're sharing the story, but you're being very, um, Charlotte. <laughs> okay, there you go. Uh, you can see her. She's, um, she's cute. She's cute. Yeah. There, there's like, uh, there's, there's really a real like economy, uh, in the picture book too. You're, you're like, like I, I do this to some extent with my novels in terms of asking, like, how can I use the things I've already established to solve the, you know, the to answer the questions or, or solve the conflicts in the story? Right. Um, and and I, I feel like, yeah, picture books, it's like because it's such limited pages and words and images, you're even more like sort of like forced to kind of like reflect on, OK, how do I like how do I use what I've set up? in the beginning how do i you know how do i bring bring things back how do i make it a little more circular right but yeah well with, with and you really with picture books it's so it i think it is your experience with writing picture books will have uh, will certainly inform your writing novels too because it is you are it's i remember an old editor of mine i would meet him and we'd sit down and we'd edit uh, I, I go there to edit a, a, work, a book I was working on, and we we uh, we get to like a thirty-two page book or thereabouts. But we get to page eight after a good two hours, and he'd say, "Okay, we're done here. Let's go have let's go get a drink or something." And wow. but we'd only gone eight pages because we were we were we were tinkering with pictures and what words need mm. to go and what you know what to, most of the time i think we were just getting rid of text and um and it was and there were moments where i was saying oh yeah this picture this is a, a really lame picture and if the picture's not doing enough work the picture could be so much more dynamic so but there was a lot of um um you know i i i i, I look at contemporary picture books and i'll say Oh my goodness! They missed an opportunity there, you know. Uh, <laughs> you know uh, that where the the text and the pictures aren't aren't uh, you know, or where the pictures are just not um, uh, dynamic enough, or or whatever the relationship between the two. Well, you know, on the 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 the, the most uh, simple thing I think is as is, is is that if the you don't want the pictures in the text. Generally, you don't want the pictures in the text doing the same thing, you know. Mm -hmm. And another thing, it's not a. There's no. It's a. There's no rule. There's no hard and fast rules with picture books, because. Uh, but often I find that you know adjectives, you know, any kind of description of the, you know, even the even the word very, <laughs> you know, right. it's a. Uh, it's like unnecessary. Uh, is the, again, that's the, the pictures will, will show the, the, uh, all the little uh, subtle, um, um, things that relate to like how things are seen and described. Um, so I often find that, you, you know, there's not very many, you don't find very many, uh, adjectives, at least in my books. Um, and, um, but then there's beautiful picture books that have tons of adjectives. So 
So, I mean, that's just, there's no, I mean, William Steig, uh, he's, he, he, he was uh, happy to use, to make very florid text with lots of description and they're beautiful books. So anyway. Yeah. Yeah. There, there are always exceptions. And I, I think like at the end of the day, you kind of have to go on. It's like, how does this book make me feel? Right. Mm-hmm. Like, like, yeah. is it, enjoyable to read is it exciting to read or does it make me laugh um uh talking about the staircase uh in uh felix clouseau uh sort of made me think about how that's kind of a visual palindrome if you will um (laughs) and and you're you know uh our some of our listeners might not know that um you've written books of uh literal palindromes as well um, yeah. So I, I I was really like I, d- I didn't know that about you uh, until like we started like preparing for for this interview and I was like doing some more reading and um, yeah I was just like really excited to um, to sort of uh, yeah learn 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 that um, you've done those those books as well as someone who uh, does the New York Times crossword every morning uh, uh, I, I was, Saturdays yeah, really, huh Saturdays Sa- yeah Saturdays. Um, I, I feel like the the Thursdays are sometimes you know the trickiest for me. They'll, they'll like throw me, yeah. Oh, wow. okay. Um, I don't remember to do it Thursday. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The palindrome, that palindrome uh, thing. Uh, yeah, I became. I, I it, it followed a, a kind of a different uh, trajectory there back thirty years ago or thereabouts in the in the in the nineties. And um, yeah, and I got I I I I just got uh, obsessed with palindromes. I don't, don't and I'm not anymore. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> but I was good at it, and um, I mean, I wrote some really good ones. My you know my favorite was the Go Hang a Salami on the Lasagna Hog. That's uh, <laughs> and uh, it it's uh, and. And it just, uh, and then there was well, actually one of my favorites is Mr. Owl ate my metal worm. Um, again, the Mr. <laughs> Owl ate my metal worm is a, is Mr. M R. You know, if you have to, if you're listening at home, you have to spell this out on a piece of paper because mm-hmm. it doesn't really make sense if you say it. You know, you don't really appreciate the beauty of a palindrome unless it's unless you can. But for me, the the joy of a palindrome was the fact that they didn't really. We get back to absurdity with Patrick was brought up, but also the fact that they didn't make a lot of sense without a picture, or if, even if they made a little bit of sense, they were much, much funnier or much more intriguing with an illustration. And I thought, ah, there's, this is, this is, you know, this could be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. So I put together a, a collection of mostly my palindromes, but, but with my pictures. And um, originally it was going to be for grownups um, because there were going to be some kind of adult themed palindromes in there. <laughs> and then I would go to schools when you're talking about my picture books and, and at the end kids would say, what are you working on now? And I'd say, does anybody out there know what a palindrome is? Mm-hmm. And all these hands went up, you know, second graders, well, third graders and fourth graders. And I told my publisher, I said, I think we should get rid of some of these grown-up palindromes and, and um, yeah, let's sell this book to kids as well. 
And uh, so that's, that's how I got into it. Yeah. And then uh, sort of inspired more, more wordplay. I, I did a book of with pictures uh, related to anagrams and oxymorons. And then I wrote a bunch of uh, poems that were all t- in tongue twister, which was fun. Which I, mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, more recently, I, I, I did my last palindromic thing, which was to do a graphic novel where everybody mm-hmm. speaks in palindrome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. songs. Um, yeah. So uh, we are approaching the end of our time. Um, and maybe a, a good way to, to end uh, would be, um, I, I'm wondering what your advice uh, would be to, to someone who was in, in your shoes in the 80s, uh, you know, a uh, writer, illustrator, who's, who's trying to like make picture books or tell stories. Yeah, good, good, tough question. I, I will, I, I mean, for me, I think uh, I, I what drew me to it was uh, I was uh, was the love of of, of telling a story, um, of inventing characters, and um, and um, and also not really concerned about making uh, too much money. <laughs> I think that's a very tough thing to kind of imagine that you're going to get in this business and and um, make a killing, um, and then just see where the where things go, um, finding, uh, an agent because that's kind of the way it goes these days, I think. Sure. And that you, that you trust and somebody who's can, that would be really important because my experience was helped by really a wonderful editor, Francis Foster back in 1981. Um, and, um, and also having uh, voices, your colleagues showing your your progress, the work in progress to people you trust, friends. Um, my wife is a really good um, editor, so even before I show my my stuff in progress to my agent or my publisher, um, I always show the stuff to Audrey. You know, and we get into big fights <laughs> about that. I, I say she's not sensitive enough, and she says. <laughs> I said, be be nice, be nice, please. I'm just showing you, I'm showing you my latest. I spent all day on this. Please don't. But um, you know, so you have to be. You know, but that's a that's an important thing. You should be ready to be, you know, um, um, you know, to to uh, accept um, adversity and to and also rejection, because I was you know, I was my first book was rejected. I've had books where. I thought the publisher was going to love it and uh, they didn't. And I had to take it somewhere else to a different publisher. So, mm-hmm. so there's, there's, um, yeah, I don't know if that's, anyway, that's mm-hmm. some advice. I have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, it, it's so, uh, the, the picture book that, uh, I've been working on actually my partner and I uh, were working it on it together. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of like started with, uh, our, uh, we found our dog um, hiding in the closet from uh, fireworks on the Fourth of July. And oh, so, yeah, uh, I wanted to. That's <laughs> yeah. a tough day for dogs. Yeah, tough night for dogs. Yeah, yeah. So we, we're trying to like approach it from the perspective of like a kid who who loves fireworks, but also sees that their their dog doesn't love fireworks. And so <laughs> trying to you know hold those conflicting feelings about 
Um, I, I feel like it, it comes a, up a lot in sort of our modern world that there's something that we really love, but it potentially is causing a lot of harm to the environment. Uh, right, <laughs> and right, so, right. yeah, so we've been, uh, we've been going, going back and forth. And, and I think, yeah, I think I'm getting to the point where I'm like, okay, you know, whatever this next round of feedback is going to be, whether it's like, you know, with, with my partner, Julia, or with my agent, or we, we sent an early draft of it to, to my editor as well. Um, it's just like, it's like, whatever the response is, it's just feedback to help helping right. it, you know, helping it be a better book. And, right, right, right. And really like letting go of that attachment to whatever idea we had about where, you know, how it should go. Yeah, I, I, I would say one to, and piggybacking on that is that some people say like, when I'm working on a book, I'm never really kind of aware of the um, moral of it, mm -hmm. you know, or the message. Mm -hmm. um, and um, I, I think uh, it's probably from my advice would be don't think about message or moral, just write the mm -hmm. story and make sure that you're happy with the way it, it, it all unfolds. Mm -hmm. And then uh, it'll be, a, I mean, I know my books when I'm working on them, they're about something and somebody's going to tell me that in the end, John, because yeah. they always do, you know, they said, that's, you know, your book was about X, yeah. Y, and Z. And I think, great. But, <laughs> I, but it, when you're working on it, I think it's deadly to think about like, you know, mm. what is, you know, what am I trying to tell? What am I trying to tell? Yeah. Don't, don't, don't worry. Just make sure the story itself and in this in this in this format is is and there's this this picture and word and few words few words a, a few sentences and it is um is um works is functions and it's yeah. entertaining and 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 uh intriguing and engaging and then you know anyway, that's that's that would be my advice to i love that uh, to, to the uh to the um the up and coming, you know, young picture book writer. Yeah, yeah. I think that last piece of advice works for the, works for novelists. As well. <laughs> um, great. Um, so, how how can folks find you online? Uh, uh, they can go to my website, I guess, johnag.com. Yeah, there's the, there's that. I th and if they want to get in touch with me. Uh, there's, there's a, there's a publicist's name there. Yeah. You can get through Andrea. Yeah. She's forward stuff. Yeah. Okay. Um, great. Yeah. John, thank you so much, uh, for, for joining us and taking the time, uh, Thanks. to, to chat. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Okay. Um, well, we are back, uh, Patrick and I, and uh, I had a lot of fun with that interview. And I get the sense that like John has a lot of fun in actually making his picture books. It it doesn't come off as this like super torturous process. Although I imagine that there are parts of it that are probably like you know um, very challenging and difficult. But it just seems like he has a lot of fun. Yeah, it seems like his process is finding the fun, <laughs> finding yeah. and growing the fun with each idea. Um, yeah, he's not a tortured artist, but he's definitely an artist and definitely yeah. having a definitely, like you say, having a good time um, with it. And I, I think it's he's looking for the humor. He's looking for the punch. 
um, for the punchline. I think we did talk a little bit about the the comedy joke uh, mm-hmm. structure and connection a little bit. Um, and uh, yeah, I just had a great time listening to him. I love I love the whole joke punchline metaphor as um, yeah a, a meta it it's a metaphor for what we're doing um, with these picture books and I, I think that's very inspiring to me and a good kind of like way of getting out of the weeds of the craft of writing picture books and just remembering the big picture and remembering like oh yeah you know this has to be like this is something that'll get read over and over and over again. And so it has to be kind of like have something special about it each time. Yeah. Yeah. And it has to, it has to be joyful, I think on some level, or he's bringing the joy with his books at least. Um, Yeah. I think there's something about that metaphor of using, using the joke setup and punchline that sometimes we get into here are 25 things your picture book needs to accomplish (laughs) or like here's 10 steps to writing a picture book. And, um, if we just focus on, focus on the joke or the turn or the setup, one of those elements, um, everything else can come along for the ride, uh, in terms of telling the story that needs to be told. Mm. So, Mm. um, well, that does it for this episode. Uh, thanks again to John Ag for um, sharing his time with us. Uh, you can find him uh, at John Ag J O N A G E E dot com, and uh, his new book, "My Dad Is a Tree," is out now from Rocky Pound Books. So go get that. And uh, if you're a fan of the show. Uh, support us by just giving us a rating and sharing this podcast with your friends, sharing Booksmitten with your aspiring picture book author friends. Yeah. Uh, you can listen to episodes and um, find our archive also at booksmitten.us and reach out with any comments, questions, requests for guests and interviews um, at hello at booksmitten.us. This season, we've been using the hashtag Booksmitten Challenge on Twitter. Um, and you can also find us there at, at Booksmitten Pod. Um, just wanted to also thank uh, Duck Duck Chicken, who came up with the theme music for our show. And uh, this episode was actually produced by me, Jack. Um, I'm standing in now that we no longer have uh, a podcast production intern. Thank you, Jack. And <laughs> you're welcome. Um, uh, yeah, it's great. It's a it's a, a fun and very therapeutic process, process just oh. to like go in and kind of like tweak audio. So I I enjoy it as well. Um, awesome. Did I miss anything, Patrick? I, I don't think have that's that it. I think that's everything. I've got my I've got my list here. Um, <laughs> I guess we'll just end by just thanking all of you for listening. Have a good one. Bye.